in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. Well, hello, beautiful. Listen up, casual. You've got a plan. I'm afraid my protocols are being overridden. Game over, man. Listen up, casuals. We are back with another episode, and I am yours truly, Rocco. And this is Chris. And we are back. Um, our first episode. What what did we talk about, Chris, in our first episode? We talked about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's right. And That's right. the launch of this show, uh, which you know we had a really great time with. And we're back. We're back for another, uh, you know, episode of this, and we'll be talking about Hellboy tonight. So something yes, that, you know, isn't, hasn't come out as of late, mm-hmm. but something that is near and dear to our hearts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the reason why I wanted to give an episode, you know, to the, the casual watcher, um, the casual fan, if you will, is because. I feel that this is a piece of obscurity that I wish more people watched or knew about. Like every time I bring it up to a person, they say, I've heard of the movie. They always say that. Well, no, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. And that's what I get a lot of. Yeah. It's, is it more like the newer one that they've heard of or are they familiar with the two previous doctoral ones? So that's it's, another question. It's always the, the, the uh, wow. It's always the Del Toro ones with Ron Perlman. Okay. There's never everyone's like, oh, they did a third one, and then I have to explain how it's not actually the sequential third film. It's a reboot for very specific reasons with a very targeted audience, which we're going to talk about today. Um, yes. But that kind of brings me into my first thing that I that I wanted to, to talk about is that he is not your typical superhero so so hellboy is not spider-man he's not uh you know the x-men um he's none of those he is very it's very different so with that being said and i'll talk about myself after but what was your first like what first got you into this this character this whole thing it was it was the movie uh definitely the 2004 movie i I I was a super movie geek uh, growing up. And so as the movies got better and better through the 90s, and then we jumped into the 2000s with a superhero boom, uh, this this was right in there with them. Uh, and I I wasn't that fam- I was not familiar with with the character at all. Uh, in fact, I didn't really get back into reading and collecting comics uh, until like 2006, maybe. So, you know, it's it it was definitely during that time where I'm like, wow, these things are hitting the big screen. I want to check out all the comic book movies that are coming out because I loved, I loved comic books growing up. Uh, it was always, you know, something that was since we were kids, you know I mean? It was like implanted in us. Uh, <laughs> so that was really my first, my, my first experience with, with Hellboy. Uh, it's, and I'm glad you said that because same thing for me, it's that 2004 movie. Um, and I remember it was my senior year of high school and like the Spider-Man movies had come out recently. 
And I read Spider-Man comics when I was young, when I was a kid, that and X-Men were the two comics I read. So being a young man and, and getting X-Men movies and Spider-Man movies in the same decade was just floored me. And then this, uh, this weird uh, Hellboy. I'm seeing trailers to this. I'm like, well, what is this? And it was marketed as another superhero movie. It was marketed in conjunction with the whole boom, like you said, of Spider-Man and X-Men. And I really feel like it kind of got lost in the mix. Um, funny story. I took a girl to the first time I saw it. What, what were you going to say? I, I was just, it's funny because, because they threw in that relationship between Hellboy and Liz and basically made that for the movie. I was like, I, I think they did that so people could go on dates to this movie. And that's, that's funny. You actually brought that up because that's a thought I had earlier. And it's wild. Cause like, I was trying to impress this girl. Um, <laughs> oh, and nice. It nice did, didn't work. She's like, this was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And I'm Nazis like, and demons Rocco exactly she's like why did you take me to this what part of this did you think i was gonna enjoy and i was like i enjoyed it so like i'm sorry and and that i and guess it's not gonna work out right oh it, it, it you knew. that was a good that was a good litmus test right there that's true that's true um but yeah i i went to that movie not having an understanding now i i was another thing that I had going for it was the fact that um it was World War II, um, you know, derivative. It had parts of World War II in it. Um, and what's cool is growing up, my family has ties to that war specifically, like a lot of families do. And in high school, I did a lot of research, a lot of projects on World War II. I'm no professional on World War II. I'm not a, like a historian or anything. But I had, we'll say, an above average understanding based on my own personal research. So one thing that I did know learning in high school and doing my reading is that Hitler was obsessed with the occult. That's a fact. Yes. So to tie in the Hellboy aspect, the fictional world of Hellboy with this factual portion of Hitler's obsession with the occult really drew me into the film. And to go back on something you said, uh, listen up casuals. For those of you that have watched the first two movies uh, in the comic books, Liz and uh, Hellboy were never an item. They were never an item in none of I've read. And in that article, we just talked about. Yeah. More like a big brother character to her. Correct. Um, another thing I do want to mention, uh, just kind of as you're bringing up uh, comic book movies of yesteryear, or I would say the, the start of the boom, uh, it like, it's important to kind of, I, to you, what, what movie do you think started the whole comic book boom? I would say, when it was taken seriously is that like yeah. what you mean yeah because i'd say like spider-man 2 okay all right so mine is mine's blade oh all right and that and I honestly like those and they're probably like the first ones to come out in the in the modern era of comic book movies as well so what a what a crazy beginning with like a rated r vampire movie and now they just you know um, spoiler alert for people i'm not going to bring it up then about loki but good stuff um anyways um no i totally agree i think that um that the movies uh that i was trying to get to was uh was blade 2 i'm sorry so blade 2 was directed by del toro 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there, there was, I think that was his first entry in uh, like, like kind of going into the, you know, the comic book world. And that was uh, one of my favorite ones back then, I think. Uh, that's a great, I, I love the Blade movies. I was way too young when my dad let me see the first one. Like there was no reason at all. I should have been allowed to watch that when that came out. Um, but I did. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know he was a Marvel superhero at the time because I was quite right. young. And uh, to find that out later, very cool. And, you know, then seeing Blade because he was in episodes of Spider-Man, the cartoon, and I believe yeah. episodes of X-Men, too, if I'm correct. Um, Maybe they did a lot of crossovers back then with those awesome cartoons. Yes, yes, they did. Um, but still awesome, awesome stuff. So jumping back in here let's let's talk about these movies and we're going to start where it all started which is hellboy which came out in 2004 it was written and directed by guillermo del toro it guillermo del toro if you're not familiar with him he directed the shape of water pan's labyrinth pacific rim and crimson peak i don't know i don't think he directed crimson peak um, I feel like he produced Crimson Peak. So, but he's still on that list. So all the films there he was involved in. And if you know his imagery and the type of imagery he puts on screen, you can tell a Del Toro. Like, you know, when you see it, if you've seen enough of his films, he has rich, scary, but beautiful imagery. Um, and we're going to talk about my favorite image in the next film, but his, his use of practical effects and makeup um, and his you just wow, and the costuming. I mean, it's mind blowing. So, in my mind, reading the comic books, I feel like there he his imagery was perfect for these films. Do you agree? What are your thoughts there? No, I I absolutely agree with that. Uh, I when people are just kind of like, well, it's it's not Hellboy, and people got upset about it. Um, it's really people wanted those like perfect adaptations all the time. And now mm-hmm. we're kind of in finally in a stage where people are like, no, give us the original content, like make up a story, you know? So I being a lover of like practical effects and creepy ass stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved his movies and I thought that his touch on this and it's really, it is delving into his world. You know, and it's like, what was it like with Rick Baker doing the, the, the makeup and stuff like that? It's just, yeah. it's amazing. Um, and yeah. it's just, it's because they were going, you know, we're getting into this age of CG movies mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like to keep that alive, not even George Lucas didn't even keep that alive with the prequels. I mean, that no. was one of the biggest, um, you know, critiques against that. But here we have this like beautifully made movie, but transforming hellboy into um like you said uh it was more of like a brpd movie right so it's uh this team yeah like fitting into like i guess fantastic four was out around that time maybe yep uh movies stuff like that so that was kind of the the craze at that time i think that was a good move i thought they the way the the changes that he made um did it did it justice because it, it told its own story and i thought it's could speak to a general audience. I know. I think that you're absolutely right. I think, I think he did. So first of all, the IMDB rating on this was a 6.8. And honestly, IMDB, I think it's harsh. Um, I would have given this movie an eight because it was fun. It was fun 
to watch. It was fun. The whole thing was it was just a fun movie. Um, it it was, but again, there's a lot. Just like you said, a lot of differences from the comics. These Del Toro films are more, just like you said, BPRD movies, less, less Hellboy in the comics. Hellboy is very alone and like all the time. There are comics after he has quit the BPRD. There are comics where he finds himself pissed drunk in Mexico. These are like these are what the comics are is more just alone. Sure. Does he have BPRD comics? Yes, absolutely. But again, it was more focused, just like you said, you know, Fantastic Four being out around that time. It was more of a team kind of thing. Um, And I love um, who played Professor Broom. Man, I always forget his name. I love that. John Hurt. John Hurt. Man, oh, man. And and what a fantastic, fantastic actor. And I loved him as Broom. I love his voice, you know, and um, I love. Abe Sapien. Um, do you know he was voiced by uh, Niles from Frasier? He was originally David voiced Hyde by Pierce. Him. Yes. But yes. I, I have that as one of my fun facts on here. Please, um, please. It's, it's interesting because he actually refused a vocal credit. Uh, I heard that. He thought that uh, Doug Jones' physical performance was was so good and that Doug he Jones actually is a legend. played the role. He is. And, you know, he actually did the voice for the cartoons that are, are you can watch mm-hmm. on HBO Max mm-hmm. um, and then also in the second movie. So he did take over the role. But David Hyde Pierce is just like, no, I don't, it's kind of like what a what a cool thing to do. But I loved his I loved his voicing of Abe in this movie. Um, and it was kind of just in the next movie. I, I don't know if I like Doug's Jones, Doug Jones's performance as much, but still, I think Doug Jones is one of the one of the greatest gifts to uh, the movie. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, again, a lot of Hellboy comics, Abe isn't in them. Right. Abe's very much in the, he's in the BPRD comics. Um, but, you know, I, I own a lot of Hellboy comics. I own a lot of them. And I'm telling you, like, barely any of them have Abe in them. So that, that was a huge change because I went back and read the comics after I saw this movie. Being like, Where's Abe? Where's Liz? Where's Johan? Yes. So listen up, casuals. When you do read Hellboy, they're presented in basically short stories mm-hmm. uh, over, you know, a few issues. Uh, and another thing is, I think there isn't like an inside numbering to the comics. So if you look on um, if you look on Wikipedia, you can actually see the full numbered. I don't know if it's a true statement, but that's what I read. But they are, you know, you can find the order to read them in or you can buy the, you know, the omnibus. Uh, I bought the first one for this show just to, you know, because I had never read it, mm-hmm, honestly, mm-hmm. and I wanted to. And it's a it's a huge difference. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait to just really like bite into the comics um, moving forward. Um, but yeah, so that was I, I feel like this movie was. It was more fantastical or uh, it was more like, you know, uh, you had what the whole Rasputin um, legend Rasputin was a real person, um, but they made him into more of like a sorcerer and the whole uh, uh, Hellboy's real name, Anung Unrama, um, who is supposed to bring about the end. He's supposed to bring about the end of the world um, with using his fist, you know, 
all of that, um, which I liked. I like that. I mean, obviously, Rasputin has been in the comics. Their back and forth has been in the comics, um, but it was more of a loose depiction. I think you said that in the beginning. This was like a very loose depiction of the comic books, but it was still a fun movie. Absolutely. And I think that I think that should be handed to, you know, to Ron Perlman's uh, portrayal of the character. Honestly, uh, it's funny. I I try to think back of when I when I first learned who Ron Perlman was. Um, and I'm I honestly I think it may have been in on Alien Resurrection or around that time. Oh, I forgot uh, he was in that. Yeah. Yes, you are right. And but now that I'm older and I've I've looked at IMDb, you know, thoroughly, uh, you know, he was he was the Beast in Beauty and the Beast, the TV show, and I yeah. I watched that when I was a kid, you know, yeah. and it's it's funny to to now, you know, and then you watch like Justice League and things like that where he does voices, and you're like, hey, that's Ron Perlman. So what a what an amazing actor! What an amazing guy! He's you a great follow guy. him on social media. I do. Some of my I do. Favorite people on social He's... media. He's so fantastic. I, I would. Oh, man, he's he's wonderful. He's a great guy. Just like you said, I, I do follow social media and he he is awesome. He is absolutely awesome. Um, speaking of Ron Perlman, he portrayed Hellboy in two films. Um, I think that he, I really loved his version of Hellboy, um, but I felt like he was too confident. If you read the comics. Hellboy's a little jumpy and I definitely want to talk about that a little later. Um, but I think Perlman played a much more confident, more indestructible, intimidating, intimidating Hellboy. Yeah. And I, th- you know, what you know, the big thing about this is that when I hear Hellboy, but then I see Ron Perlman, I see this dude, like, <laughs> He's not he's not this kid and that's kind of how I want to picture Hellboy as as more like maybe in his early 20s yes you know, and that and and because his the way he's written I guess in the comics like that and also how they write him in the movies he's supposed to be younger and, and immature so I don't know who I who am I to judge but um you know I just I I love it but I maybe would somebody like to see even a, like a younger portrayal on screen. Sure, sure. No, I I absolutely agree. Um, I think Ron, in his own right, is Hellboy in these. And I would have loved a third one. Honestly, I would have loved because they were, you know, they were going to close this out and they did. But let's before we jump to this three that never happened. What were you going to say? Go ahead. Yeah, that's that's I just wanted to mention that just kind of how it's it's kind of it's been frustrating because they're just like, well, what do you do with that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have this great idea. You know, it's like you do like old man Hellboy, and it's like that much in the future, and like his kids are like evil, and then he's got to like do something to you know stop his kids or redeem his kids or something like that. I don't know. Who cares? I don't care if Ron Perlman aged out of the role. Make it make up something cool. I could do that. I mean, Let Del Toro do his wacky ass stuff. So exactly, and you know what? With his enough prosthetic and makeup. They'll make him look. Yeah. They'll make and him look. And the de aging technology now, just call Disney. Come on. Exactly. Right, exactly. Right that shit from them. So, jeez. Um. So 
So let's move into Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Um, oh, God. Came out in 2008. This was given an IMDb score of 7, which is higher. Um, and to be honest, I did like this. I like the second one better. Um, so, again, writer written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. Um, and this expands the... I'm not going to say the Hellboy universe. It expands the BPRD universe um, and, and expands it a lot. And I really love the beginning of this movie. I love Broom, you know, John Hurt giving us that like beginning, you know, the golden army, the elves and the humans and the goblins. I love when they get into that deep lore. And I felt like this was a major like. I felt like the first one was very enclosed. It was a cl- it was a good movie. It was very claustrophobic. It was very like scenes were like in buildings. Like a scene was always inside of yeah. some kind of building or like you know something enclosed. Whereas this one was more open. We were more everything felt more open in this film. But but then we're in the underground. <laughs> so I right where is this troll market? Is it? It's not a above the earth it's got to be in the underdark or something man who knows down with the the gnomes and stuff so (laughs) i love that they don't make it look claustrophobic they make it (laughs) oh my gosh yes i had you continue because i have a lot to say on on that kind of stuff no i just like so the troll open up you want to open it up the troll market i loved it go ahead amazing one of the most amazing sequences i've ever seen Yes. You know, I, I don't, it's been a while since I watched this movie. And when I did my mini marathon for this show, I forgot how amazing that movie is. And it's just, it's so fantastical. And it just, it's like you said, it, you have, you're not really watching a Hellboy movie. You're watching Guillermo del Toro's world of BRP (laughs) and with his touch. So, I mean, like, even this creepy, that creepy creature that, um, oh, what was, oh, what was it? Um, what was it? Doug Jones played it as well. Yeah. Uh, the demon, the big demon that comes down or whatever. Yeah. I mean, his touch is on everything in this movie and the troll market is like, it's more, it's better than watching like when they go to the, what is it? Dianaga Square. I don't know. That's not what it's called. Uh, Di- yeah. I'm going to exactly. call it that. I'm going to call it Dianaga <laughs> little star wars harry potter mix right, there right i'm just gonna do that on purpose so yeah well, uh, amazing stuff honestly that was so when I, I i mentioned earlier i said that there his his practical effects are beautiful and terrifying at the same time and if you've seen his work especially pan's labyrinth yeah. which to this day is one of the most visually stunning films i've ever seen in my entire life um, he, you see that in Hellboy too, and that, and his death, the image of death towards the end of the film, where he had the piece of elf, uh, like knife broken off in his chest, and his, and death arrives, and this, this scary creature with big black wings and no eyes, but its eyes. That's were what I was in talking about. It's wings. Yes. It's played by Doug Jones. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. yes. Thank you. So my daughter, <laughs> my daughter's eight and we watched it together. It's PG 13. She's fine. I, I told her today. I'm like, there's an the R rated one. You're not watching period. We're not even going to talk <laughs> about it. I said, but 
the PG 13 one will watch. I fast forwarded a couple scenes, but this one I didn't, I wanted to get her reaction on death because it was such a beautiful character. And she said, daddy, he is creepy, but I can't stop looking at it. Yes. And yes. I, out of the mouth, out of the mouths of children come, come oh. the truth. And I was like, that's, that's it. Then you, you get it. You get this piece of art. It's horrifying, but you can't look away from it. And she was fine. She, you know, I said, I told her, I'm like, this is beautiful art right here. This is artwork we're looking at. I believe I know someone who has a portrait, uh, a painting of, of death from Hellboy 2. That's, that's an interesting thing to hang on your wall. Yes. And it just, it lends to how visually stunning Guillermo del Toro is. And I think that with these comic books, he fits the bill, but he did create, in essence, his own Hellboy that relied on brute strength with some subversive comedy, we'll say. Um, And there's a different type of comedy in the comics, which I can't wait to talk about later. But he didn't. I think he missed that. I think he missed that mark in the comedy, at least the way it's portrayed in the comics. Yeah. I mean, you have these one off lines. You have like the funny, let's get drunk scene, which I love. Yes. Uh, and sing. Uh, yep. But, you know, it, it really is. It's it's a fantasy movie. I mean, you got elves. You got some of the coolest elves I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They're basically like drow. I mean, under underground elves and shit. So I just and he made his own fairy tale, which yes. was the best thing, because that's what he's. I want to go back to what you referenced at the beginning of the film and i love that sequence because it, he's telling a story to young hellboy and it's just a neat a neat way to open the movie to have this later payoff of this is how you know this this tale gets resolved or you know whatever the the crazy stuff that happens so i um yeah the storytelling is is on a different scale yes um the visuals are on a different scale completely i got it's much more of a gothic feel that I yes. get out of the comics. Uh, so I, I, and when I did read these comics, I was just kind of a little bit taken back by it because I've seen the art before, but I've never read through it. And so when you get, when you're going through the whole thought process of what he's doing and, and these villains and this weird stuff that's happening. Sometimes um, you though, mm-hmm. you get cool things um, you where, you know, you have this, a book of beautiful artwork, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's another thing about Magnola um, is that he I've always been interested in his in his um, art style, and yes. I've always bought like the variant covers. I, it's mostly Dark Horse that does them. Uh, I think only Dark Horse gets him to do them. But yep, um, and I've I've always done that. He is like a like a creepy Darwin Cook type drawer. So yeah, yeah, I, I like it. I like it a lot. And, you know, like he's announced his retirement, but then like we just got the secret of Chesbro House part one Come and two. Tour. Like he just, you know, I'm reti- he's the Brett. It's like he's Brett Favre, you know, like I'm going to retire. And then here's a new just a four part. But he just did the four part. So he announced his retirement as far as okay. I knew. And even my local comic book shop was like, yeah, dude, Magnola said he's not doing comics anymore. Then we got the four part young Hellboy and now the two part, the secret of the Chesborough house, which, by the way, 
listen up casuals. If you want a really cool seancey conjuring feeling, but you, you want to experience Hellboy it's in your newsstands. Now it just came out. Hellboy, the secret of the Chesbro house. It's Hellboy and the BPRD, even though they're not in this at all, which I didn't understand, but whatever. And it's a two-parter and we're going to talk about that more later, but listen up casuals, go get it. But anyway, spinner now, right? Um, you know, you have this expanded film. You have the lore. You have the elves. You have the his own fairy tale. And you know, before we go to break, I just want to say that you know Guillermo del Toro, I think, was perfect for these films. I think when you go back and read the comics, you'll know how different it was. But I really feel like Del Toro was trying to appeal to a, a more of a mass audience. I think you said that earlier. And I think that you're right. This was more appealing to a mass audience. This was taking the Hellboy comics that are pretty freaking dreary <laughs> and and making them uh, appeal to others. And I think that that was in itself the downfall that was the third film, which we're going to talk about after break. Do you have any final thoughts before we go to break? I, you know, the first one was definitely like theater friendly. That second one was like, I'm just taking the reins and going. Mm-hmm. That's, I feel like that's, that's probably what did it. I don't know. Even though it's, it's, it's higher rated. I do like that movie better. I, I don't know. I just maybe too much time passed. It's like, all these Marvel movies are coming out. What are you going to do? Compete with this and that. And people got busy, you know? So I, it was sad, but they could always do old man Hellboy. That is true. That is true. Now, uh, one question. Do you think that Ron Perlman should finish out on a third Hellboy with Guillermo del Toro? Yeah, that's what I just said. (laughs) I mean it and I mean it. Okay, well, I, I'm I in agreement it. with you. I'm in agreement. I really think that old man Hellboy. That's all we gotta do. Old man, young man, middle aged. I want that third movie. Just let's just do it. We're that's it. I I threw out I threw out the idea. I pitched it. I pitched it to a legendary. If they're not listening, oh, you're missing out on a great show. Exactly. And Perlman already said he's in. If it ever happens, right. so. But anyway, with that being said, uh. We'll be right back. Uh, Stay tuned after these commercials. We got a read here for Ridley's Gaming Realm. This is a great place to buy, sell, trade, or discuss video games. This is a secured Facebook group with 1,500 members and climbing. Now, the big thing is, is that with a lot of these buy, sell, trade video game groups on Facebook, there's a lot of scams, a lot of people that'll take their money and, and, and never send you the product. Well, they are proud to say that they have zero reported scams ever in this group. So be sure to check out Ridley's Gaming Realm. Whether you're looking to grow your collection or get uh, that new game that's been tough to find, make sure that you check out Ridley's Gaming Realm. You go to Facebook.com and search for Ridley's Gaming Realm. Listen up, casuals. We're back. I'm Rocco. This is Chris. And we are talking about Hellboy. Now, we just finished talking about the first two films. 
both by Guillermo del Toro. Um, we really talked about how much we love those. Just rewind. If you forgot already, rewind it and listen to it again. Obviously you have problems, but that's okay. We're glad you're back. I, I, I forgot to mention, I, I met him at New York comic-con uh, group of us, including Casey. Really? Uh, we met him on the Thursday night, which is usually the slower night, at least that you know, mm-hmm. during those years. Mm-hmm. And so he was just out on the floor and we just ran into him and he was a really cool guy. And he just talked to us and took pictures and, and stuff like that. So I thought that would be a nice thing to mention about, about him. And, Absolutely. You know, That's so cool. Yeah. I'd have yep. him, I'd have him sign my Funko pop, my, my Hellboy Funko. Um, yeah. You would just, if you was at a convention, you went, you would carry that around everywhere. Yes. You need like, you need like a, like a steel box for it. Do you have one? Do you have a convention box for pops yet? I don't. I didn't know that Get was serious. a thing. A convention <laughs> box for pops? Maybe. I don't know. Oh. I may have made it up, but I bet it exists. It's like I, I have to buy these plastic poster rolls when I go, when I buy like prints and stuff and mm-hmm. I hang them on my back, but they're in like, you know, the yeah. tube and it's protecting them from all the sweaty people there. There's a lot of sweaty people at Comic-Cons. Yes. And they're sweaty usually wearing wrestling shirts. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said that out loud. Uh, <laughs> um, so <laughs> a third of our audience just hung up. Oh my God. The, the screens went black. Um, so everyone just tuned out. Um, no. So we're talking about Hellboy. Like I said, we just talked about the two Guillermo del Toro films. Um, the next film. Um, so listen up casuals. There are three Hellboy films. Two of them follow a continuity. And the third one is technically a remake of all, uh, you know, of the whole continuity. It's a complete remake. So a couple things here. This came out in 2019 reboot. Exactly. Or reboot, whatever. Yeah. Um, This was made in 2019. It was directed by Neil Marshall. Neil Neil Marshall has also directed the descent, the lost in space series on Netflix, Westworld, very popular show and Constantine, the show, I believe it's a, is that a CW show? Constantine. Constantine was originally, um, it was on NBC. Um, uh, he also directed two amazing movies that I love very much. Uh, please. one is Doomsday, which is crazy. Like, if you have not watched Doomsday, watch Doomsday. Not um, just another, is... no, that's Doom. That's just as like, Doom. no, anyway, no, Doomsday. Got it. Check it out. And then also Centurion, uh, which is kind of the opposite. Doomsday is like a post apocalyptic battle insanity thing okay. this is actually uh, a true story a, a depiction of a true story about the romans who went up to fight the picks um you know in 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 scotland or whatever during okay. you know when the romans were trying to take over the british isles is Channing so, tatum in that no Centurion? um magneto is in that wait, wait maybe Channing tatum is in that movie there was Centurion. a big surprise for me uh michael fassbender's in it dominic west is in it david morrissey from walking dead so i'm wrong got it no that's i know what movie you're talking about though that is also about that about those people okay it's a different it's a different um it's a different story okay yes because they're battling to try to get back inside the walls okay that scene okay that 
I got really into like that that time period. I was checking that out. Um, so I watched both those movies and probably the same night. I don't know. Okay, right something, on. Something geeky like that. No, no, right on, right on. Um, <laughs> uh, what's important about this film is that it was co-written by Andrew Cosby and Mike Mignola himself, and that was a really big deal for this film. And it was also what I feel was the downfall of this film. This this movie received an IMDb rating of a 5.2. And what bothers me about this is I watched the Del Toro films, which caused me to read the comics. I ended up loving the comics and I ended up liking this movie better than the two Del Toro films because I felt like this movie was made for me. Now, was this movie perfect? Absolutely not. It had a lot of downfall and a lot of things that could have learned from the Del Toro films. However, I when I watched this movie, I felt like they made it for me. They made it like for, for specifically for me because I read the comics. This is like your reward for reading the comics. What do, what do you think about that, Chris? So what I would like to do is actually save what I was about to say for when we get to the not like, because oh, I'm going to start with the positives because no, Please. no, it's fine. I was going to, I was going to reply to what you said, but sure. Um, I do what I, what I do want to recognize in what you said was that they, that they brought in things from the comics and put it on the screen, which was unlike what Del Toro did. Um, and so covering those, you know, taking, each of these little storylines and putting it in and making, making a movie out of it. Um, but did, how did you feel about it? Did you, did you like the story that was told? Did you feel, how did you feel about it as a, like a, a complete movie? As a complete movie, they stuffed too many comic. They stuffed too many uh, of his short runs in one film. So you had the wild hunt. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It was the opening scene with the vampire. I mean, he with the luchador. Yes, literally, that was down to the way he killed him. I love it. Was ripped from the pages of the comic. Like I literally watched that scene and said, "I know everything that's going to happen," and then it it happened just like that. And there was a reward in that, to me at least, that was very rewarding. And what I love, too, was the way that they they did that with Wild Hunt as well. Like Wild Hunt, when they were going giant hunting and everything that happened was literally ripped from the pages. But it felt like too much was put in. Right. Like you're you're trying to get from A to Z. Not Actually, it's like A to C, but there's a ton of B's in between. So, yeah, no, it's you know, I. I guess that's really my biggest problem with the movie. And I, and I'll just talk about it now because it's not really a negative thing for me. Cause I don't agree with the 5.6, whatever it is. 5.2. I, you know, this movie for me was, was a lot of fun. And like you said, seeing a different depiction of, of the character and then learning that a lot of these scenes were ripped right out of the comics was great for me too. Um, and um, I did like David Harper as, yes. you know, we talked about, Ron Perlman's portrayal this this was a much different portrayal of him a very kind of unsure I don't want to say clumsy but um, he was just 
he, he was kind of just, I, I don't know how to really, really put it, but I thought David Harbour did a good job because he was har- kind of heartfelt. That's, that's, yes. I guess what I'm getting at. I thought that he was a little bit more in tune with, um, with like how an inner monologue would be for a character like this, even though they're still doing this big screen adaptation, they're still putting team members with him. I thought it gave more of a, you know, a a much better character story to Hellboy in this movie. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I love Dave Har David Harbor. And for those of you that don't know who David Harbor is, listen up casuals. That is um, Hopper in stranger things if you're a fan of that he also played what was that red guardian in the uh in is that what he's been black widow correct in the in the movie black widow so if you don't know who david harbour is that's him um hopper or red guardian in the new black widow um and he played hellboy here just like you said he played more of an unsure hellboy more of a comic book hellboy the big thing was in the beginning of the movie Hellboy wasn't even like really in the BPRD. He had left and he was kind of wandering looking for an old partner of his who ended up being a vampire. And that is a lot of the comic. There's, there's many series in the comics where he is just doing his own thing. He's not part of the BPRD. I felt a lot less of the actual BPRD in this movie, even though obviously they were in it. They have to be. It's a Hellboy movie. What did you think of Ian McShane's Professor Broom? I love anything Ian McShane does. And I think I, I, I love him in anything. And I think that he did Broom justice. I think that his relationship with Hellboy is much more comic book accurate because they love each other, but they're also at odds with one another. Um, Whereas in Del Toro's version, they loved one another, but they're at odds was more comical. Whereas this one was more like real father, son were at odds with each other, which again is very much more comic book accurate. Have you watched American gods? I have not, but I've been told as an Ian McShane fan that I should be watching it. Excellent. Um, yeah, I liked his broom as well. I thought that was great. I also liked that they they didn't use the same team members. I thought that was a it was a good highlight of this movie that we got. Um, Alice and sorry, what was oh, Daniel Day Kim's character? It was like um, a cheetah or a leopard or. And that you know what that that to me was amazing too. Um, because uh, I'm sorry, Ben Diamio was his name okay. in the movie. So uh, Daniel Day Kim from Lost, the TV show. Um, and, you know, I thought that was a neat thing, the whole wear, the wear leopard or whatever the heck he was. Mm-hmm. That was just a neat thing because he was like, he was so angry with monsters and like he hated them so much because he hated himself. But um, <laughs> that's good stuff. <laughs> no, I liked I, it. And then when they fought I that agree. monster together, I thought that was badass. So. Oh, it was it was super, super badass. Um, I I loved um, Mila uh, playing uh, Queen Nimue. Is it Queen or the witch Nimue? Again, another stuffed in comic book, um, you know, with a, because there is a lot of um, oh, man, Knights of the Ra- King Arthur and Knights of the Round Table in Hellboy in his lore. And to have that and Merlin 
on screen as part of that. And then the whole Nimue being severed and put in all these different boxes. I mean, was just it was it was great. Again, most Nimue was mostly comic book accurate. Um, but, you know, Anung on Rama, she wanted, you know, him. He grew his horns. You know, the whole that whole thing um, was just I, I thought it was just fantastic. One thing, and I'm I'm not sure if you remember when this movie was originally marketed, there was a lot of talk about how this was going to be very dark. There was going to be this was not going to be an enjoyable film. It was going to be very it was going to be dark like the comics. It was you were you were looking for that out of Hellboy. And I feel like we got it. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree. I mean, this was the up the gore. I mean, there's like you said, there's a difference between Del Toro gore and horror than what this was. I mean, this was like it was bloody. It was like the tooth fairies, you know, it was just some stuff was really gross. It was it was definitely trying to aim for that more mature audience. I mean, we're at the point, you know, what what year did it come out? 2019. I mean, we're we're in the thick of Marvel movies in this in this family friendly culture i mean marvel does do you know some great movies you know even with adult themes but where are these where are these non-kid comic book movies and i I think that this is what this was trying to achieve um and i think because you are you are missing out on an audience by bringing it r um it didn't do as well i mean it's it's like it's like birds of prey it's like you rated r you made a really good um, like I was a gangster movie, but like a Pulp Fiction like movie almost uh, very off the wall, but you read it at R and then your, your main main audience is like teen girls or whatever who are going to pick and they can't go to this movie right away or, or they have to wait for a parent or whatever they yeah. need to do to sneak into that theater. So yeah. you, you get what I'm saying. Um, yes. I, I don't understand it because like, we're in a huge bubble of superhero movies and there's got to be more than an audience to this. But like you said, maybe it didn't get the best press going up to the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just people just like, that's the, also it's the internet internet generation of this movie is, isn't good. Don't, don't go see it. And then people don't go see it. Exactly. Exactly. However, the Baba Yaga sequence I would say would have probably turned a lot of people off had you have not read the comics. So to set the stage, you know, listen up casuals. Um, Baba Yaga is like a Russian, like boogeyman. And it's actually, she's a female. She it's, and she eats children. And there is a scene where Hellboy goes to Baba Yaga's home to see her. And they strike a deal And what I loved is, and again, this is the Hellboy from the comic, is that he looks down at the food on this lavish table and it's obviously human meat and eyeballs and stuff like that. And he looks behind him through a cracked door and what you see is a, a butcher shop, in essence, hooks and things hanging and it's it's children and you see this disgusted almost scared really actually not almost this disgusted scared look on a hellboy's face and 
this lends to the underlying comedy of every comic. He is a demon. He's a demon. He's a demon. And he's like looking at, and I'm going to talk about the Chesborough house when we get to the comics. Cause I, again, it lends to this comedy, this underlying comedy the entire time is what is he afraid of or disgusted by? He's supposed to be a symbol of evil being a demon. So there's this, there's this comedy to it. And then she kisses him on the mouth and he kind of disappears back into the BPRD. Like he falls through the ceiling, through the desk, his father's desk, Professor Broom. And as he's having a nervous mental breakdown about what just happened, he keeps like spitting. But everyone in the room doesn't know what that's about. But us as the audience understands that. And then at the after he pontificates and screams and has his tantrum, he begins to ask if anyone has a mint or gum. <laughs> and and there is this comedy that if you didn't read the comics, you're going to miss that. You're that I was laughing. I was genuinely laughing. That that kind of humor is important, especially when you're when you're trying to make a darker um Courier movie because it works it works well i mean a lot of people get kind of upset with like the marvel formula uh and just it's too funny whatever you know what you're watching so this this on the other hand when you have drier humor um situational humor and it's played out well i think that that is yeah exactly i thought that it it wasn't as they weren't trying to go for as many jokes in this movie, I guess, compared to Del Toro movies. Those like they were definitely a little more entertaining the first two, and this one was like these situations were just more and more fantastical, uh, more and more monsters that we that we didn't see, and that was kind of the thing about you know I have a problem with like the cohesiveness of the movie, but. I do like the fact that they went and did crazy things like giants, you know, and the Baba Yaga and, and more. So, um, and the whole Baba Yaga thing, it's just kind of, it's not to use or not to set something up maybe with her as like a, a villain for a, a movie, like for herself, you know, I thought like that's a huge character to bring in and you could definitely play off that. And I thought that would be a, a cool idea, but we're not getting a sequel. So that's kind of, that's kind of unfortunate. Yes. Very disappointed in that. I would love to see uh, another one. Um, I will say it was really cool to see one of Hellboy's heroes show up at the end of the film. Um, <laughs> Lobster Johnson played by none other than the gift to this world. Thomas Hayden church who also Amen. played Sandman in Spider-Man three, which ugh, it wasn't because of him. It was just a no, bad movie. No, that was the best part of the movie. Yeah, they could have just, just did his story. That would have been great. I Man, agree. they just got off topic. Uh, I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, I really felt that this movie was, again, for the guys or the girls that read the comics and that, that reads all of them. Um, but I mean, God, I just realized there's another comic I read Alice's story that that was in the movie. Um, where she the parents were like, that's not our daughter. And she was stolen, I think, by some kind of goblin. 
and yeah. and replaced with a goblin and like he got the actual her back um in a really great way and again this is another comp they just jammed in to this film exactly and that's and that's kind of what i'm getting at here i uh, the overall story and i think i might be in the mi- minority here uh i i actually didn't hate the whole king arthur thing i Me thought it, you know I, I like it um and people are like well you could have just left it out and it would have been a good movie i'm like how i mean you have the whole the whole movie's like tied together because of 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 how she got cut up and and everything and you know i love mila jovovich and like whenever she does roles like this it's it's great i think you know it's oh man um but what it i guess if you look at it as they're doing this this overarching thing and then they're telling these stories in between i mean isn't that kind of how he writes the comics anyhow well yeah you know you gotta look at it that way I I agree. I absolutely agree. And if I mean, if we just kind of jump into the comics here, um, uh, you know, the thing about Hellboy that I that I, I still like to this day is that it's not an ongoing comic series. Like if you look at Batman and Iron Man and Black Widow and God Nightwing and now Joker, all of them, they have these ongoing comics where like we're surprised when we find out it's the end. And we're not the end till like, you know, number 100 or whatever it is. Right. Whereas when they die. Exactly. Or like, you know, Batgirl went to 50 or Detective Comics. Jesus. 1039 today, I believe. Drop. Yeah, sure. But I mean, they renumbered it for years, you know, so it's a I know it's and that's the thing about listen up casuals. It's really hard to get into comics sometimes. I mean, these companies try these jump on points a lot of time. Mm -hmm. They don't always work, but I mean, they get new readers, but this, this right here is a very much uh, reader friendly. Yes. You can just pick up the first, the first four issues is the first real story and it's a complete story. I mean, yes, it carries on uh, themes and characters, but you could read these as, as just, stories if you want and not have to be totally invested of course you want to know the beginning and stuff but i can go and read young hellboy and not feel lost and it, i haven't it, read exactly. a huge chunk of these comics you know so no you're you're a hundred percent correct is is these short little blips like he'll do four issues two issues three issues in fact he had two three issues releasing at the same time so it was a three issue of one and a three issue of another, but you'd get like, like one month, you get one of this one, one of this one. And then the next month, two, two, three, three. And then it was done. That was it. That's great. I like, you when know, they rotate. Yes. And that's the story. And you know, they're all Mignola. It's his art. At least he does. He doesn't write all of them, but he does the art pretty much for all of them. And it's, it's his very, very distinctive art style. Um, but something like I, I know I've brought this up a few times, but because it, it's it's becoming, you know, just even just the first issue, one of my favorites is is Hellboy's um, the, mm. the secret of the Chesborough house. And what got me is going back to the humor that I think that the the third film, the remake got that the other ones didn't is that in the comic, there's a portion where he's he's brought to this house because they feel that it's haunted. It's a family 
that wants to sell the house, but they can't sell it until whatever's haunting it is gone. So they contact the BPRD and they send Hellboy, right? And Hellboy shows up and they're like, well, we want to do a seance for the ghosts. So they're talking about doing a seance and Hellboy's rolling his eyes and okay, you know, and not really believing any of it. And he's a demon. Like that's that subversive, like hilarity that that is like underlying the whole thing. Like there is a demon that is telling a psychic that they're fake. Yeah. And to me that that's fantastic. And then they're trying to start the seance and people keep coming into the house and Hellboy jumps every time. Like he jumps like, like they're like calling the spirits of the high hello. And then he's like, Jesus. And then oh crap as another person comes in. And again, he's a demon. Like he's a freaking demon. And, and the comedy in that, I think, is, is not captured. I don't, I've never experienced it anywhere else, this type of comedy that make, it makes me laugh. Yeah, I think it's funny because there's not, a, like you said at the beginning of the show, there's not a lot of characters like this where you can look at them as a, it's a being from a different dimension. I mean, basically, you know, it's um, from a very real thing from our, you know, our mythology for being humans and he is so humanized and that's that I, that's great humor to me as well i mean that's what i loved about both portrayals of 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 the character from perlman and harbor and i thought that you know even though it's a little bit different from what how it's written in the comics that that character is just it's 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 he's gonna be timeless you know mm-hmm. he's been around for almost 20 years now and i i don't i'm sorry 30 years now mm-hmm. and i don't see him going away anytime soon we'll get we'll get another hellboy something problem i would say we get a hellboy tv show uh like a streaming one so where they don't have to worry about these big budgets and stuff like that so no i'm so glad you said that because that that is something i definitely wanted to bring up is that if they did a hellboy and the bprd television show where it was episodic and they would go to these haunts and the like the comics monster week yeah they're they're called to a haunt they go to the haunt and they work it like you know like ghost hunters except for like they're at you know i mean god johan in the second movie by the way played by seth mcfarland i didn't even know that um you know he's a ghost you know and he's part of their team on the bprd so again forgot that yeah they're adding, you know, having these characters, I think a TV show like an HBO Max show where you can really dial up the gore and the everything, you know, I think it would it would do it better. We've I know you and I have talked about Batman would would do best in this as well. I think Hellboy would do very well in this medium. Yeah, I think so, too. I I mean, they're trying to like please the general audience. They're trying to make it too superhero. Like, you don't. It, it's not that. You know, it's Batman's not a superhero either. Uh, what they are, you know, really both of them. If you want to just kind of compare, it's just like they're street level fighters. You know, they're 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 fighting their own personal war, mm-hmm. and that's not always. I don't think that's always a general audience thing either. So. Don't go crazy spending millions of dollars on a movie uh, that's two hours in a theater when you can do something in six episodes and really tell a good story. 
or do an anthology show or whatever the heck you want to do. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I honestly, I, I loved all three of these movies for different reasons. Um, and I love the comic book series. Um, absolutely. Um, so listen up casuals, make sure that if you are digging these fantastical worlds that you're checking out these films and Hey, maybe uh, go to your local comic book shop and, uh, pick up some Hellboy. Yeah. I think that we've mentioned it a couple of times where people get tired of like the, the superhero and tights thing and yes, or you're just your general main mainstream superheroes. Um, but there's a lot of things out there like Hellboy. Um, and I think that it's, it's important to know that because they, they're different stories. And really, as we get into this generation of comic book movies and TV shows, and we, we see things like finally they bring something from the comics into the, like the new Hellboy movie and, and depict it correctly. I mean, all these, these comic books are just basically storyboards. So mm-hmm. there are years and years of stories out there um, across the board, even beyond the big two. So, you know, listen up casuals, get out there and check out indie titles as well. There's a lot of great writers out there who aren't writing for Marvel DC. And um, you know, there's a lot of different imprints out there. So check it all out. Um, Hellboy was released by Dark Horse. Yes. Uh, Dark Horse Comics used to, you know, they used to have Star Wars and yeah. Aliens and Predators. So they had a lot, a lot of licenses like that. So, um, but also they do a lot of cool creator owned uh, independent stories or comics. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say if you are a comic book reader and you haven't delved into Hellboy, um, I would compare Hellboy DC wise to like Constantine, who's yeah. another, it's another favorite of mine. Um, you know, you're, you're more of the occult, <laughs> not really a superhero, no tights. Like you said, a lot of comparisons to be drawn. He's like Constantine and the demon Etrigan mash. Yes. Up. Yes. Yes. And a drunk and a horrible, <laughs> horrible what? drunk. Did you watch Justice League War, the 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 movie with Dark Side in it, the last yes. one of that where yeah. he was drunk in the bar all the time? Yes, and that's 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 him. Oh, that's abs- the drunk Atrigan. Yes. Atrigan, Atrigan. Oh my God, the rhymes that he uses, I can't ever clever. Yeah, always clever. But anyway, um, Chris, any final thoughts um, regarding Hellboy, my friend? No. I'm going to say it again, old man, Hellboy. That's the only thought I have. And I'm not thinking about it anymore because <laughs> bring Ron Perlman back, bring Ron Perlman back. Um, yeah, let's do it. I don't care who directs it. Maybe Neil Marshall could direct that movie, you know, for all uh, I care. Honestly, bring Ron Perlman back and bring David Harbour back, you know, Let's do them both, man, because I'll watch them both and I'll probably buy both on Blu-ray. Um, just do it. Just just do it. So, uh, you know, Chris, I love talking to you about this stuff. Thank you for doing this with me every time. Yeah, man, this is a great show and I, I'm hoping for many more. We, uh, we have some we have some kind of uh, some modern stuff going on, I guess, more time sensitive things coming up. So I think that we'll uh, have 
plenty of ammo uh, for our our show. Absolutely, especially with Loki finishing up. Um, I definitely, definitely want to talk about that. But listen up, casuals. Expand your mind and get into Hellboy, whether it's the Del Toro version, which is more theater, more like theater goer friendly, or the dark gothic gory uh, 2019 remake um if that's more your speed i would check that out and you should as always you should always be reading comics yes and i also like to give a shout out to uh white imprints in cuba new york uh for all the great apparel i do for defat entertainment and defat comics so you can get uh some great shirts from there including rocco's uh other show excuse me critical mass podcast and also uh, we do star warriors together so this awesome shirt i'm wearing right now which you guys can't see because you're listening uh but yeah (laughs) white imprints uh a little town called cuba in new york uh support indie businesses yes do do so check them out buy all our merch buy everything buy it all um and yes chris thank you for the shout out for critical mass podcast we are coming back very soon um so by the time you listen to this um we will be back in about a week from when this is available um so please check us out at critical mass podcast but not just there go to dfat entertainment and check out every podcast there from insensitive culture to gutsy media to campfire chats to the crown jewel towel light talk make sure that you're listening to all of them give us a like give us a comment give us a share give us your firstborn whatever it is exactly and as always listen up casuals bye everyone oh you want me to say goodbye yeah i guess this is chris signing off i like that that's good we're keeping that in i gotta come up with a good uh exit all of this is great. I'm totally keeping all of this in. You should. You should because <laughs> we don't even have we don't have a good end to our show yet. We're not. This is only our second show. You can't blame us, people. You can't blame us for this. But I hope you enjoyed. How about this is Chris? Go learn some comic history. Nice. And this is Rocco. Support your local comic shop. That's a great one. Thank you. Cool. Now you guys know our ending moving forward. All right. Bye. Bye.